And since it's fifth Sunday, the children must remain. Don't look at me like that, Lucy. Don't do that. You're going to love this. When I ask for a volunteer, you're going to come up here and volunteer. It's going to be great. No? Well, uh, Lucy, what you may not know is we are um, in a series called Guardrails. Um, and this is the end of our series. And as, we, as is our, our custom at the beginning of every uh, guardrails uh, sermon, we, we, must, uh, we must... Oh, yeah, thanks, guys. We got to get the guardrails out. And we got to... Those are traffic's devices. We got to... We uh, from Jack's company, uh, traffic's devices. Those are kind of beat up, a little bit old. Uh, but we do have... Um, I have a couple examples of uh, some of his, his people protection. So this is the, uh, the ADA... Um, you can see these rails are designed to make sure that uh, people don't go where they're not supposed to. Because uh, if you do in New York, you'll like, fall down into a sewer and you'll get eaten by an alligator. And so we have these. And then the other one is the urbanite. Ooh, look at that. That keeps the people from spilling out into the, into the, the, the street. It restricts freedom. And we thank you, Jack, for restricting the freedom of so many millions. <laughs> uh, but... But in all seriousness, uh, they, they really do. They save lives, um, and they protect people. Uh, because people are, are kind of dumb. We very often stray off from where we're supposed to be, and if we don't have guardrails in place, we can end up in really bad spots. But we're going to see today that uh, the guardrails, they're not everything. Um, in fact, in some cases, guardrails can be bad. And so let's uh, take a look at our text today from Matthew 15. Then Pharisees and scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem and said, Why do your disciples uh, break the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands before they eat. Jesus answered them, And why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? For God said, Honor your father and mother. And whoever speaks evil of father and mother must surely die. Those are a couple of quotes from the Old Testament. But you say that whoever tells father or mother, whatever support you might have had from me is given to God, then that person need not honor the father. So for the sake of your tradition, you make void the word of God. I know that's uh, probably a little bit confusing, but we're going to work through it together. Then Jesus said, that, uh, I've dropped down a little bit here. Uh, then Jesus said to Peter and the disciples, are you also still without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth enters the stomach and goes out in the toilet? A little poo talk from Jesus, nice. But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this is what defiles. For out of the heart come evil intentions, murder, adultery, illicit sex, theft, false witness, and slander. These are what defile a person. But to eat with unwashed hands, that doesn't defile. Uh, so uh, we are going to need uh, some, some, some volunteers here. Uh, we're taking a look closely at this part of the text where Je- or the complaint of these, these Pharisees and scribes is that Jesus' disciples don't wash their hands before they eat. Um, so, and, and then I'll explain why. This is not because they think that not washing your hands is gross, although it might be. Um, it's because they have some interesting thoughts about uh, the, the way the Old Testament works. So, I would like uh, to have a couple of volunteers, some kids here who, if, if there's a rule that your parents have in your house that you don't like, that you hate, I would love to hear about it. Or something that your parents make you do that you can't stand. Yeah, Gigi, come on up. That's fine. Yeah. 
Anybody who wants to come up, this is your moment to complain. Air your grievances. Okay. All right. What, what is the, what's the rule in your house that you can't stand? Eating cookies. Wait, what? Most eating, kids like eating cookies. Eating cookies. Wait, is there a rule that you can't do that? Yes. Oh, it's a cookie restriction. I see. No cookies for you. Let me ask you, though. Do you know why that rule is in place? No. <laughs> yeah, because it seems just mean, right? Your parents want you to be miserable, and they don't give you cookies. Uh, well, actually, I, and I could be wrong. I mean, I don't know what goes on in your parents' heads. But part of the issue is that cookies give you sugar. And the fact is, Gigi, when you have sugar, you become a nightmare. And so, and so they're trying to protect you from burning down the house. Do you see? The, cookie, the no cookie rule, it's not meant to hurt you. It's meant to protect you. But it's still terrible, and I'll talk to them about it. All right, good job. Anybody else? Any other? Yeah, okay, Olivia, go ahead. Come on up. Danger. Not... Hold on, you have to say it into the, uh, the mic. You made this rule. You make a what? It's no eating on the couch. No eating on the couch. Yes, that's true. I do make that rule. Because what you really want to do is sit on the couch with your computer and play Roblox while you eat. Okay. Yeah. Do you know why there's a rule that says no eating on the couch? Yes. What is it? Because if you spill, it can stain the couch. That's correct. You guys are terribly gross eaters. And no. so, yeah, you are. And so when you eat, you make a big mess. We do not. Yes, you do. Uh, or you might. And the thing is, I don't want to have to clean that up. And I especially we don't... Do. Yeah, I know, but you do a bad job. And I especially don't want your mom to clean it up, because then she'll be mad at me for being lazy. So there's a lot of reasons... I don't care. I know you don't care. Great. Uh, go sit down. <laughs> Uh, there's a lot of reasons why we have the no eating on the couch rule. All right, uh, anybody else? Any other kids? This is your moment. All right. Okay, Charlie Sue, here we go. Okay, friendo. What's your. Uh, oh, just grab the mic. You got it. <laughs> Get it right up in there, like, like ice cream. Go for it. We can't eat. We can't eat until. We can't get up um, from the table until we say, can we please be excused? Oh, your parents make you wait at the table until you say, like, may we be yeah, excused? We this, like, oh, we sorry. To, we have to put the stuff away, like, in the sink or in the trash. Oh, that is awful. They make you clean up after yourselves? What? It's pl- practically slavery in that household. Oh, Doug and Jen, you are monsters. Oh, man. Okay, wait. Well, let me ask you a question. What, do, you, do you know why they have that rule in place? No. Well, let me ask you this. What would happen if you didn't clean up your stuff? It would just sit there. Right. And then what would happen if it just sat there for, I don't know, like a couple months? It would get moldy and old. Right. And then it would attract rats, and then you'd have rats in your bed. Do you want that? No. No! No rats in the bed. And so your parents have unjustly and horribly forced you to clean up after yourself. Thank you, Charlie Sue. All right, this is the last shot. We're going to move on. So if you're, you're a kid and you want to say it, this is it. I'm going to count to three, and then we're done. All right, one, two, three. All right, all the other kids, you love your, your, your parents and don't have any bad rules. That's good. Um, 
the thing is, Jesus is actually pointing out something, or the Pharisees are pointing out something really important in this text. They say, uh, you're supposed to wash your hands before you eat. Well, that's actually not a rule in the Old Testament. But there is a rule in the Old Testament that says priests have to wash their hands before they eat sacrifices uh, before God. Okay, there, that's one, there is a law in Leviticus that says that. And, and the reason is that um, God wants us to be clean and pure, right? So God doesn't want us to come before him and be dirty with sin or with anything that defiles us or makes us gross. Um, because that offends God. And that's why Jesus came, right? Jesus came to make us pure, make us clean before God. When we believe in Jesus, all of our, all of our sin is wiped away, right? Well, before Jesus came to do that, the Jewish people were very worried about offending God or being dirty before God. And so they said, they said, well, if priests do this before the sacrifice, every meal is sort of before God. God's everywhere, right? And so it's probably safer if we, if we never, if we, everybody washes their hands to make sure that they're clean before God. Now, kids, that's, um, that's a guardrail, okay? It's a rule that we put in place that God doesn't, God doesn't command this, okay? But it's a rule that people put in place to protect themselves from going off and offending God. And the Pharisees were very concerned about that, and so they put this rule in place. Always wash your hands because you don't want to offend God. Now, the idea behind that is a good thing. And so you guys haven't been here. You've been in junior church. But uh, for the last three weeks, we've talked about guardrails that protect us um, in our social spaces, the people we spend time with. We've talked about uh, guardrails to protect us from making bad uh, love decisions and romance. Because uh, they can wreck our lives. And we talked last week about how to protect ourselves from, from greed and, and stockpiling money and then squandering it and wasting it. And those are all good things that we talked about. It's important to have those rails in place. But, but, they can't do everything for us. Okay? Like Jesus, I mean, his disciples, they weren't bad, right? They weren't defiling. So there must have been something wrong with the rule. The rule is a good thing, but if Jesus said it was okay for his disciples not to wash their hands, then there must be something else out there. There must be something else that uh, a guardrail can't protect us from, that can't fix for us. And so the, the first thing, um, the first note we have of sorts is that guardrails are great, but they're not infallible. And infallible means they, they can't, they're not perfect. In fact, the reason we're going to see in just a, a, a second why they're not perfect but Jesus doesn't like this, and so he, he yells at the Pharisees and the scribes, the scholars, the lawyers. He says, And why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? God said, Honor your father and mother. Whoever speaks ill of father or mother must surely die. Uh, by the way, we, we don't think that that was actually enforced. Uh, so if anyone, if kids said bad things about their parents, they weren't usually put to death. Thank God. Uh, but, if, but if people wanted to, they could. Uh, so if you really didn't like your kid, you could... Get rid of them. All right. But you say that whoever tells father or mother, whatever support you might have had from me is given to God, that person need not honor the father. What the heck does that mean? Well, I have a little uh, video clip here um, from back when Disney made good movies. Okay? So go ahead, and this is going to explain. This is going to explain what's behind the, the reasoning for what Jesus has said. Just Jesus is saying, okay? So here, enjoy this. This is a transfer from VHS, which you don't know what that is. <laughs> well, even though Prince John offered a huge reward for the capture of Robin Hood, 
that elusive rogue kept right on robbing the rich to feed the poor. And believe me, it's a good thing he did. Because what with taxes and all, the poor folks of Nottingham were starving to death. Uh-oh, here comes old bad news himself. The Honorable Sheriff of Nottingham. Every town has a taxes too. And the taxes is due. Do, 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 do. Well, looky there. <laughs> Friar Tuck, the old do-gooder. He's out doing good again. Well, good morning, Friar Tuck. Shh, Otto, shoot for you, Otto. From Robin Hood. <laughs> oh, God bless Robin Hood. Do, 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 do. Do, 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 do. Here I come, ready or not. Well, greetings from your friendly neighborhood tax collector. <laughs> oh, take it easy on me, Sheriff. What, what, what with this busted leg and all, you know, I, I'm way behind in me work, Sheriff. I know, Otto, but you're way behind with your taxes, too. Oh, have a heart, Sheriff. Can't you see he's laid up? Come on, Otto. You'd better sit down and rest. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Let me give you a hand with that leg. Up-sa-daisy. Bingo. Uh, what they won't think of It smarts, don't it, Otto? But... Prince John says that taxes should hurt. Now see here, you you evil flint-hearted Now, 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 save your sermon, preacher. It ain't Sunday, you know. <laughs> do, 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 do. They call me a slob, but I do my job. Do, 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 do. Uh, that's uh, from Robin Hood, 1973. Um, make sure if you have Disney Plus that you uh, watch that. It's a great film. What's going on there, uh, if you know the story of Robin Hood, is the sheriff of Nottingham has a law that Prince John has put in place that everyone needs to pay their taxes. And unfortunately, the people of Nottingham are so poor, they can't afford it. But the sheriff doesn't care. He comes around, he squeezes them anyway. And I almost made a Gavin Newsom joke, but I'm not going to. No, no, don't do it. Uh, Easy. Uh, well, what happened, something similar happened in ancient Israel. Everybody was required to give a tenth of what they made, right? We called it a tithe last week. We talked about it. And, and there was a law that says, hey, you gotta, if you have ten carats, you've got to give one to the, the, the temple. You've got to give one to God, right? If you've got a hundred carats, you've got to give ten, right? Well, what they found out was happening, though, is that when the priests would come out, they were sort of like the, the sheriff of Nottingham, they'd come out to get the people's gifts, and they found that there were some people who were so very poor that if they gave, you know, one of their carrots, they'd only have nine left for their whole family. Because they have, they've literally had almost nothing. And so there was this concern, well, what do we do with these people? How can we protect them? And so th- they put a guardrail in place. They said, here's the deal. Okay, if you, if you don't have enough or you're really, really poor, what you can do when, the, when, the, when the, the, the temple tax collector comes around, you can say, Konam! Konam! And Konam means like pledge. 
right? And what it is, is it says, I, I, I can't give it to you now, but I pledge. I pledge that when I've got it, I'm going to give it to the temple. I'm going to give it to God. Right now, I don't have it. And so, Konam, no one else can touch it. I'm, I'm reserving it for myself. And when, when I have, when I finally got enough, then, I, then I'm going to be ready to give. I am going to give. I am going to meet your law, but I can't do it right now. And so, it, it kind of says, in the future, I'll do it. Well, part of what this tradition of Konam did is it said that anybody who is not you can't touch what you have reserved or pledged to God. Right? You said, oh, I have all this stuff. Uh, you know, I've got ten carrots. I've pledged them to God. I may end up eating them all, so God might not get any. Uh, but when I die, whatever I've got left, that's going to go to God. That's how Konam worked. Well, some people found that they could use this in a not-so-good way. So say you're a child and you can't stand your parents. They were mean to you. They forced you to clean up after yourself. They wouldn't give you cookies. And so when they're getting old, you don't want to take care of them. I know I don't want to take care of my parents. And and to be fair, you know, up until like the 1950s, everyone took care of their parents because there was no such thing as retirement, but that's an entirely different uh, subject. So what they would do is they would... So poor old mom and pop... They can no longer work. Their backs are broken. And they come to their son and they say, Son, we need you to support us. And the son sees them at the door and goes, Konam! Everything! All my stuff, Konam, Konam. It's all a gift to God. I'm pledging it all to God. You can't touch it. None for you. It's all a gift to God. And in the meantime, I might enjoy it. Uh, I might use it for myself. I might really have fun with it. But but eventually, when I die, God's going to get it all. None for you. you look at the text, this is exactly what the Pharisees told people was okay. This was fine. Okay, the guardrail was put in place to protect the poor. (laughs) And people found a way to use the guardrail to hurt the poor. And their own parents, in fact. And then they said, look, it's a a rule, though. It's a a good rule. We got got a stake. Can't get rid of Konam. Konam's a big deal. And the Pharisees are like, yeah, I guess you're right. I guess you just don't have to take care of your parents. And Jesus is like, are you kidding me? It, you, <laughs> you've basically, you've taken the guardrail and you've put it in place and, 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 and you've started to worship it and you've missed that it, it's actually doing the opposite of what it's meant to do. This is a CPAP machine. Um, CPAP. So if you don't know, kids, if, you, if your parents don't have a CPAP machine, um, they might snore. If you don't like your parents snoring, I, I snore a lot. When I was a kid, my dad was a terrible snorer. And I used to just, see, when we were on vacation, I would be like, I want to throttle him. Because I couldn't sleep. And I was like, it's his fault. It turns out, you can't, a lot of people can't control snoring. It just sort of happens. And it turns out that I'm actually a worse snorer than he was. So, uh, when I, I don't have a CPAP machine, if I'm asleep, um, if I'm taking a nap upstairs, uh, my kids and my, my wife can hear me downstairs. Like, it's kind of what it sounds like. Aaron recorded it a few times for, for laughs, for giggles, to show, show what I was putting her through. I felt bad about it. And so I was like, my, my dad was like, you got to get the CPAP machine. What it does, it blows air in your nostrils, and that keeps your mouth closed. And so you stop snoring. Now, it's, it's more important than that because when you're snoring, 
what they say is there's a thing called sleep apnea. And kids, what that means is it means oxygen's not getting in and your heart is getting hurt. It's damaging your heart. Bad snoring can actually destroy your heart and cause a heart attack. Okay, you can actually choke to death because of this. this. And so, so the CPAP machine is not just to keep Aaron asleep at night. It is also to literally save my life. I've been trying to get that CPAP machine for six months. Six months. I, uh, my dad was like, you got to take care of this. I was like, yes, sir. Um, and, and so I went to my doctor. It took two weeks to get an appointment. Online, just virtual. Two weeks. I was like, I snore a lot. He's like, I'm going to send you to a specialist. So I called up the specialist. And I said, we can get you in in a month. So, oh, okay, great. So at a month, I went to the specialist. They said, now we're going to give you a test. We're going, to send, we're going to send home a bunch of electrodes, and you're going to stick them on you, and you're going to sleep in them. But we don't have them yet because we don't have enough, so we're going to have to wait three weeks to get the electrodes. Then when you're done with the electrodes, you're going to send them back to us via UPS. It's going to take a week, UPS. After we look at the electrodes, we're going to do an analysis, and then we're going to say, hey, maybe uh, we're going to bring you in for a, another test. We're going to, you're going to sleep here. Unfortunately, we don't have any spots open for another month. Finally, I did all of those things. Um, and remember, every single night, my heart is deteriorating. <laughs> I still don't have the CPAP machine. I have to go and get something from my doctor and bring it to the CPAP machine place, and then maybe they'll send it to me UPS and I'll wait another week. Now, the CPAP machine is meant to be a life-saving device. And obviously we don't want you know, them to fall in the hands of, I don't know, people who would abuse the ability to put air up their nose. I get that. And so we need to have rules and regulations in place to protect us from improper use of the CPAP. So we need to have doctors involved, and we need to have, um, you know, tests and electrodes and, and UPS involved. Those are all really good things. Those are, those are guardrails to protect us, right? But have you noticed that these guardrails are destroying my heart? They're not really. Actually, I have my dad's old CPAP machine, uh, so I, I've been using it for years. Um, but I just need to get my own in case it breaks. But, but, but imagine if I didn't, I would literally be dying. And these rules are keeping me from actually, they're, they're doing the opposite of what they're supposed to do. That's Jesus' point. It's the next uh, thing in your note sheets. If you focus only on guardrails, you're going to end up hitting someone in the middle of the road. Imagine. You're so focused on these rules and regulations. These forms got to get filled out. The Pharisees got to make sure that you can conom whatever you want. And that's all you're looking at. You're looking at that and you're driving your car. And you're focused on these rails. And you're, oh, I'm not going to go off the path. I'm definitely not going to go off the path. Wham! You hit somebody in the middle of the road. All the traffic's devices in the world aren't going to stop that from happening. Why? How does, that, how does that happen? How does it happen that the things that are meant to protect us and, and, and are the, the things that we do wisely to, to stay safe, how do they end up turning into something that kills? Well, Jesus is going to tell the Pharisees. 
after the bit about, you know, whatever you eat in your mouth comes out, his point is, is that whatever is bad that you put into your body, your body's going to find a way to get rid of it. Um, but there's a problem. That doesn't work with your heart, your mouth. What comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this is what defiles. For out of the heart come evil intentions, murder, adultery, illicit sex, theft, false witness, slander. Because those are all really bad things, and if you don't understand some of them, that's okay. Uh, we're going we're gonna to go through a little bit um, in just a second. But Jesus' point is saying, you can have all the guardrails in the world, but that doesn't change what's in here. And sooner or later, what's in here is going to come out of your mouth. People are going to find out what you actually are like in here. And what's really sad is that you may start actually acting according to what is popping out of your mouth. Well, Jesus doesn't go on here. He doesn't, he doesn't give us the solution to this problem because the solution is not available yet. Okay? This is before Jesus has died and been raised. Okay? This is before he has forgiven all sins. Okay? It's before he has paid the price, before he has defeated the powers of the enemy, before he has offered eternal life. And so there was no way to fix the heart. But once Jesus dies and is raised, anyone who believes in him has their sins forgiven, is given eternal life. And more importantly, or maybe just as importantly, they're given the gift of the Holy Spirit. So kids, any one of you who has believed in Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit living in you. And the Holy Spirit can change your heart if you let it. Him. How does that work? Well, I got four bucks here. Cold hard cash. I have four questions. If you answer the question correctly, I will give you one of my dollars. You have to be under the age of 18. Stop. Yeah, wait, how old are you? Oh, Chris, you can participate if you want. You're 18, you don't, you're, you're over it, okay. You're sick? You're, just, you're spurning my dollars? Wow. Actually, these are from my mom in Maryland because I don't carry cash. So thank them, <laughs> you jerk. All right, any, so any child, I'm going to ask a question. Anybody, any, any child want a dollar? Yeah, come on up, it's fine. Come up, read, yeah. You want a dollar, you got to answer a question. Take your time, man. Don't worry about it. We only got nine minutes left, but you, you relax. What? Okay. So let's imagine. Do you ever play on a jungle gym? No. Okay, let's imagine you do. Okay. And you're, do you have a friend? Yeah. Okay. Imagine your friend's with you and you guys are playing. You're on the top of a jungle gym, like a, the dome that we got out there, right? Mm-hmm. You seen that? You're on top of it. Yeah. And you're playing a little slap game. Yeah, okay. Okay? So like, you're like... And then you slap me. You guys are having fun. It's fun to slap each other, isn't it? Yeah. Because you're kids. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, you start getting a little heated. Like, oh, wonder what, wonder what I could get away with. And you wind up, and you just let them have it. Go ahead. Try it on me. It's fine. I can take it. <laughs> I asked for it. You did it. It's fine. Yeah. All right. And so you do that, and then your friend falls and breaks his leg. Now, you didn't mean to hurt him, right? Maybe you did a little bit. Okay. <laughs> you, you, you enjoy seeing others suffer. It's good. A lot of sociopaths do. And, uh, and so you're, you're like, and, and, but then you're like, man, that's kind of a bummer. 
and he's in, laid up in the hospital, and you start thinking about it, and you're like, man, I really should not have done that. You know, I should have held it back. What can you do to make this situation better? Ask for forgiveness. Genius. Dollar for this man. Yeah. Uh, well, Reed, the reason that that's so important is because if you just let it sit and fester and you don't tell anyone, you don't get it out, it stays in your heart. And you start to feel guilty. And what's crazy about guilt is that guilt can go to one of two ways. Either you start to torture yourself, and so you begin to hate yourself and you withdraw, or you begin to find that the person that's causing you the guilt, you begin to hate them. Right? And either way, if you don't get it out of your, house, your, 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 your chest, if you don't confess it, uh, there, we need to move up on slides there a little bit. Um, if you don't confess it, then you're not going to be able to get it out. Guilt is one of the things that leads to all those things that Jesus was saying are in people's hearts. Guilt causes us to end up hating, murdering, lying, stealing. But if, if you get it out, you say, pray to the Holy Spirit, pray to God and the power of the Holy Spirit, God, change my heart, help me get this out. And then you go and you confess your heart can change a little bit. All right, another uh, heart matter, another big problem. Who wants a dollar? You've already been up, dude. Who? Bring her up. What do you care? You embarrassed? It's a dollar. What, I have to up it? It's only, oh, I won't go up unless it's $5. Really? Come on. Okay. So that's guilt. That's how we deal with guilt. What's the next, the next thing that, that, that is in our heart, right? It's anger, okay? Mm-hmm. You owe me. I'm mad at you. All right, so let's imagine that you're uh, sitting there eating uh, food outdoors uh, where it's safe with your father, okay? And your dad has, uh, what kind of car does he have? A truck. A Toyota Tundra. <laughs> a Tundra? A Toyota Tundra. It's a really great truck. Awesome. And it's parked right in front of you, and you're, you're sitting there, and then somebody comes over and just smashes your dad's car, okay? How would he respond? He'd probably, like, yell and, like, right. go up to the guy. And he'd say some naughty things. Yeah. And then do you think, do you think maybe he'd just, I don't know, hit him? Um, I don't think my dad would do that. No, okay. But, but he was thinking about it. He was thinking it. Okay, yeah. It was in his heart. And his, his heart was like, deck this guy. He was like, I'm going to, yeah, right. do something. He's like, I'm carrying. This guy's in trouble. Yeah, yeah for sure. Mm-hmm. That's anger, okay? Now, what could your dad do to diffuse this? Remember, this is coming from the heart here, okay? God, the Holy Spirit, working on his heart. What is something he could do to change, to shift? He would just be, like, understanding and say, like, oh, it was an accident. Like, it's okay. Like, things happen. Which is another way of saying he'd forgive. Yeah. Forgiveness. Yeah, forgiveness is the way that we uh, deal with anger. Because our anger, if it sits in our hearts long enough, we become bitter and, and, and raging people. And it's not natural for us to want to forgive, right? Mm-hmm. That tundra, that's a nice truck, okay? That thing is, it's cherry, okay? So in the heart, it's like, no. But you prayer, God, change my heart. Let me forgive this person who ruined my beautiful truck. And pray that the insurance covers it. Right? Awesome. Good job. You get a dollar. Thanks. All right. Well done. This one's a little tricky. So uh, we're going to probably want someone. Yeah. Come on up. Yeah. I sure don't want Luke up here. 
Yeah, I know. Last time you were up here, it was a disaster. All right, man. Okay, Jacob, the, the next thing that gets in our hearts here um, is greed, okay? Oh. Here, take that. Okay. Okay. I have a little confession to make. Um, I have not gotten a PlayStation 5 yet. And Most there, people have it. Speaking of the mic, bro. Most people have it. I mean, I tried to get one for Christmas, but we couldn't find one. Yeah, so I did the same thing. I tried to get it for Christmas, and, uh, you know, Santa just totally bailed on me. Um, and all I can think about morning, noon, and night is a PlayStation 5. I mean, like, the PS4 Pro I mean, the PS4 Pro is basically a PS5, but doesn't have faster loading times. Wow. Okay. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying I'm greedy for a PlayStation 5, okay? Okay. Uh, So, uh, what... So just in, by the way, that was the answer to the next one, so I'll give you $2. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, no, no, don't worry about it. Um, so what, what could I do? What is something that, because remember, it's in my heart, right? My heart is like, need PS, PlayStation 5, PlayStation 5. What could I do that might dislodge that? Well, well, what you can do is um, try to forget about the PS5 and then try to get interested in something else until the PS5 comes around. Yeah, wait until I get a PlayStation. That's, that's one way we could... But again, the problem, though, is that it's still in my heart, though. Even if I'm focused on something else, it's still there. What, what's the opposite of getting stuff? Well, you could actually just not get it instead. And do what? Um, and just stop thinking about it. And if you were to get it, you can sell it to someone else or give it away. Give it away. Wow. I'm going to give you $2 because we're short on time and you already answered the next question. See, the thing, though, Jacob, you know, if, if I, I agree with you. That's right. Like, what I should do is I should be like, I need this. Um, but what I really need to be is, is in a mindset where rather than what I need and me getting stuff, I need to be in a place where I'm willing to give. That's where the prayer comes and That's where the Holy Spirit comes in, right? God, change my heart so instead of needing and desiring this stupid piece of plastic... Then instead, I'm, 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 I, what I really want is to meet the needs of somebody else. So if, so if you, yeah, you give, right, but it has to come from the heart, it has to come from the spirit. The last one, jealousy. Uh, there's two people that I know of in this uh, congregation who have PlayStation 5s. Uh, Randy Grimm and Dustin, uh, DJ Rosepink. Um, and I have started to hate them. <laughs> sure, they're kids, but that doesn't change the fact that I don't like them a lot. In fact, Randy, because he's just such a jerk, he came to my house. He plugged in his PlayStation 5. He played it in front of me for like six hours, and then he took it back with him. I was like, you are the worst. I had a taste of glory, and now, now nothing. And of course, uh, jealousy is really like, this is, God, why did you give these things to these people and not me, right? It's really, it's not just life owes me, it's God owes me. God, why didn't you give me this? Why didn't you give me that? Well, what we really uh, ought to be doing instead is uh, to listen to Jacob. I mean, he said, hey, look at what you have. You've got a PlayStation Pro. You have a PS4 Pro. It's not that bad. And isn't that a joyful thing? Can't you enjoy that? Like, instead of, instead of sitting around worrying about what Randy's got or what DJ's got, how about you celebrate the stuff that God's already given you? It ain't that bad, Tom. 
You're not really, it's, it could be a lot worse. Instead of focusing on what God gives to others, why not celebrate the things God's already given to you? And, buddy, I got to tell you, it's a hard thing to do. It's not something I can just do on my own, okay? I can't just suddenly start, you know, stop hating Randy Grimm. <laughs> I don't hate Randy Grimm or DJ as a joke. I love those kids. They're amazing. I'm super happy that they got those, uh, those toys. But for the example, it's not natural for us to celebrate what we have. It's not natural for us to celebrate what others have that we want. And that's where prayer comes in. God, make your spirit powerful to change my heart, to get this out, get this out of me, so that I can be freed up to celebrate what I have, what you've given me, knowing that it's enough. Jesus understands um, that guardrails are great, and we need to have them in our lives. You know, it's a good thing to, 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 to have a, a, a rule about how you spend money, how you save, and how you give to God. It's a great thing to have a rule about how you protect yourself from, from falling in love with the wrong people um, and, 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 and making mistakes there. It's a good thing to have a rule about how much time you spend on Facebook or Reddit or whatever uh, your TikToks, whatever you're doing. Scott showed me Marco Polo. Have you seen this? This is another one. Another time-wasting device that you can put on your app, on your phone. You're a bad person. Do better. <laughs> It's a good thing to have those, those guardrails, but those rails are not going to change your heart. And if you focus so much on, well, I gave my 10%, and, that's, and, that, and, then, and then you're just, I'm looking, I did my 10%, and you, and you miss the fact that maybe God wants you to give 25. Right? Or, or you're looking at it, you're like, I, I made sure that I, I didn't spend time with this person because I'm afraid uh, of, my, of, of my feelings for that person. But great, but nothing's changed in here towards your actual spouse. The Spirit is the one who can change our hearts. But we have to ask for it. We have to pray for it. We have to desire to be people who aren't owned and ruled by guilt, who aren't owned and ruled by anger, who aren't owned and ruled by greed or jealousy. Because if we are, eventually it's going to come out. And that is what is offensive to God. Let's pray. Gracious God and Father, we confess that we have corrupted hearts. We thank you and praise you for the gift of your Son that, that before you we are forgiven. We're clean, we're new. You've redeemed us and you've not held us to account for these things. But we confess, God, that our hearts still go astray. And we confess that all the guardrails in the world aren't going to stop that. And so, God, we're asking for a change of heart. We're asking for you and the power of your spirit to come in and, and tinker and change and alter. And I pray that we'll, we'll have a desire to participate with that. To practice confession, to practice forgiveness, to, to practice giving and celebration as ways in which your spirit works through us to change us and make us into the people that you've called us to be, into the, conform to the image of your son. We bless you, God. We know that in the end, you win. In the end, we will be made right. And we ask for your mercy as you continue to change us.
In Jesus' name we pray, amen.